seeks to prove that arty and trashy movies have a lot in common and you don't need to enjoy just one or the other. They might even look the same. We'll take this week's movie and pair it with something artier or trashier and hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite or at the very least are entertained. I'm Nick, one of your hosts, or am I? And with me as always is the shadowy close-up to my Dutch angle. Aaron is here. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing? You are Aaron, right? Yes? Let's find out. Let's find out together. Be very serious about going to late night meetings. That's right. This week we're talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. Sleep. 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 With the others. Elizabeth, wake up. Get you when you sleep. People are being duplicated. You're looking at it as if it was human. It was not human. Oh, 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 you're next. You're the other. You're already here. Come. You're next. They're coming. They're coming. <laughs> cool update of which there were then like three more or something yeah there's like that. four of these fucking things <laughs> they keep... ironically yeah. <laughs> beat me to it <laughs> <laughs> i am speaking for both of us right now when i say it's the only one of the four we've seen yeah that's true i know the plot of the first one front to back uh that's just oh. for whatever reason you know you just slowly accumulate knowledge as i was researching this week's movie i was like oh yeah i know every single thing that happens in this movie cool weird yeah. okay i just kind of assumed that it was similar to if not the same as the uh 70s remake but intensely similar barring okay. a few things you know you update it for the times you make it about contemporary paranoia sure. instead of past paranoia <laughs> you put a crazy psychologist in. <laughs> he's got a little thing on his hand <laughs> i love that glove what is it supposed to do it does nothing amazing <laughs> I was thinking maybe it's for writing, like it's so you don't smudge your hand or some shit. Leonard Nimoy was like, oh, I know a guy who got really severely burned on the back of his hand, so he wears one of these things. I just want to do it because it looks cool. Uh, yeah, let's, so Leonard Nimoy's in here. Let's talk about who else is involved. This is directed by Philip Kaufman. Do you know much of Philip Kaufman outside of this movie? Not to just think of him, no. He's kind of an unsung hero of stuff. Oh. Just a little bit about him. Uh, he is coming into Body Snatchers having just been fired by Clint Eastwood, uh, where he was directing The Outlaw Josie Wales, which he co-wrote. Right. Um, and he got fired because Clint Eastwood didn't like that he did more than like one or two takes of, of things. So he's like a guy that, you know, takes pride in his work. Stuff. Every every single <laughs> fact you just displayed, the Vince McMahon meme, yeah, I was going right. through the stages of... <laughs> Fired hmm. by Clint Eastwood hmm. on a Western. What? <laughs> uh, so he's coming in Amazing. off that. Shortly after this, he sits down and co-writes Raiders of the Lost Ark. So he's one of <laughs> yes, the you do. He's one of the creators of Indiana Jones specifically. He, oh fuck me! Okay. Yeah, he's like one of three guys because he's like tight buds with George Lucas and nice. All this. Nice. Yep. Okay. Uh, and he was grammar school buddies with William Friedkin, and I think that's cute. <laughs> uh, screenplay is by W.D. Richter, who I don't know for much stuff other than he co-wrote Big Trouble in Little China, which nice. is okay. uh, certainly a movie. <laughs> 
a movie we hold in fond esteem, if not high esteem, yeah. on the podcast. That's a good way to put it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's based on The Body Snatchers by author Jack Finney. Mm. It was originally, this is a thing you don't get anymore, it was a serialized magazine story. Oh, nice. That got, like, when it finished its run, it got collected into a novel. Yes, sure. We got Donald Sutherland. Is he Canadian? That's the question that we always have in this podcast about everybody. No. no? He just seems Canadian. I, well, see, no, I don't know. <laughs> I know that I I honestly usually mix up him and Christopher Plummer in, mm. in terms of their Canadianness, not in terms of like mm. anything else. Plummer is Canadian, so yes, that, I, I think know. that by default means Sutherland is not. Okay, yeah. all right. Let's say yes. <laughs> uh, Brooke Adams, who again, I don't know for much. She's in a lot of horror movies, but mm. I don't know for much. Uh, to me, she's got a real Jessica Harper vibe and haircut. Yes. <laughs> she's got a 70s horror face. She yeah. really does, yeah. yeah. I uh, got Leonard Nimoy, a very young and stick insect like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he's so skinny. <laughs> he's, yeah, urgently skinny. Yes, like, oh, I'm concerned about you. I uh, got Veronica Cartwright. Um, it's the 70s, so uh, horror <laughs> director's going to gonna go be mean. She has to go through some shit, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you've got Robert Duvall on a swing. Uh, music is by... Is that Robert Duvall, the oh, priest? Yeah, the priest oh, in the beginning. That's I Robert thought you Duvall. were just laughing because it's a priest on a swing. No, it's... Just, What's he doing? He's just hanging out. All right. I got Was more he just a, on set? Oh, you've got. We got we got cameos galore in this movie. Seriously? Yeah. Okay. So all I right. got I got a block of those for you later. All right. <laughs> Donald Sutherland is Canadian. By oh the way. yeah. I just looked it up. Good for him. I'm glad to hear it. We claim him. Do we? Who can say? It's he fine. seems fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I have. I'm coming out neutral on Donald Sutherland. Yes. Uh, music is by Danny Zeitlin. It is his only film score he ever did. He was just a really in-demand jazz pianist and was just like, this just takes too much time, guys. (laughs) And of course, musical cameo of Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead playing all the banjo parts. Right, yep. Which is cute. There's a real (laughs) cute shout out in the credits, not normally something you get in the credits of horror movies. I get thanks to Jerry Garcia, (laughs) my favorite flavor of ice cream. Yep, that's what I know him best from. <laughs> Buying ice cream for you. <laughs> yeah, so what happens in this movie? We get invaded by body snatchers. Movie over. Yep. Yeah, it really, um, yeah. Like, from start to finish, there's an invasion, and it, it, they, we get invaded to completion. Yep. It's, <laughs> it happens. Sure does. I love going through the credits, watching the, like, they look like, um, before they become balloon animals, balloons i guess that's just balloons just so balloons they're long skinnies that float through space and make it to uh to earth and that has extremely the vibe of like the cover art of a 40s serialized (laughs) sci-fi story that's that's what that whole set looks like i expected you know Peter Graves to step out in like a cheaply made spacesuit. Yeah, you any can see point. where it's not connecting. Yeah, <laughs> they're saying that it, it literally is just like I don't think it's balloons, but it's just a thing. They're like, yeah, we just dumped out a crate of stuff and filmed it, and then flipped it upside down. Just like yeah, just filmed the it end. in reverse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it. It's very. It's cool too because it's kind of like it's just a thing that occurs on Earth. Just yeah, dandelion seeds do this. Like most types of plants, this is how they propagate. Obviously, the fifties one comes before it, but. Anything that has a non-humanoid alien feels always groundbreaking to me if it occurred before, like, 19... Well, this is 78. Anything before 1980, so it's just under the wire. Because, <laughs> obviously, it's hard to make anything that is non-humanoid appear interesting. Or menacing or, at all. Yeah. Like, there are... I don't know. There's... 
you know, attack of the killer shrews or whatever, where it's just <laughs> dogs wearing costumes. Carpets. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, yeah. If you're, if you're working with something that has to be menacing, this is, this is the perfect setup. Just make wispy soap clouds. Yeah. Cause and the, then they turn into people. The idea being that like, oh, you can't even take it seriously. And that belies the, oh no. Oh, they're just pretty flowers. <laughs> oh, PSA, <laughs> blowtorch your local garden. Uh, and through, so we get that great opening credits. We get Robert Duvall in a swing. The creakiest swing. <laughs> There's a lot of attention drawn to it. Yep. What is up with that? Um, I'll tell you later. Okay, all right. I, okay. I want to like save the, don't ca- want the cameo block for its... <laughs> all right, fair enough. The cameo block will make its cameo. I'm just drawing attention to it to be like... From the get-go, there is no build-up. It's just everything is shot so paranoid, looks so yes. off. Like, he shouldn't be there. No. So you're immediately like... You feel like you should call the cops. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love, like, the... We talked a lot about voyeuristic stuff in our Psycho episode a few yes. weeks back. The All the shots in... Um, God, I forget her name. Brooke Adams' home. Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth in her home. All the like really slow moving through the hallways, tracking mm. shots just feels very much like you're treading into this private life. And they're never quite at, not never, but a, a, a couple significant ones are not at eye level. Yeah, they're, they're always real. like just below. Yeah. yeah, or they're like, you know, above the door jam, looking from above, that kind of <laughs> thing. And then it kind of asserts itself into a, a quote unquote normal shot. Yeah, I think it's doing the thing of it's showing you all the boundaries around you. Like you get the ceiling mm. and the walls and the floors like, oh, claustrophobia. Cool. Neat, yeah, neat, neat. fair enough. Yep. <laughs> That's what I think. But I do love that. I didn't think of that for those those shots that start in one spot and like transform and to like another roll angle. down yeah. to where it's it's almost like the the thing that it always makes me think of is something's up there. And then it realizes, nope, too tall. I shouldn't be up here if I'm trying to blend in. And then it's sort of like, now I'm down here next to you. Everything's <laughs> fine. You know what I mean? It's not the same flavor, but it feels it's into the voyeuristic stuff. The first shot we got at Donald Sutherland is through that peephole in the restaurant. Yes, yeah. It's just like, oh, we're just watching people watch people. That's just setting sure. up right at the get-go. I love sure. that. And if you haven't seen Invasion of the Pod people... Uh, nope, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, we're talking about a new movie now. No, this is because I was thinking about this is where the, f- like, the 50s version, this is where the phrase pod people came I from. I got it, I got it. Especially after this movie, because the 50s one was, like, medium popular, and this one was mega popular, so it became okay. a, like... Pod people. <laughs> that is kind of a, a touchstone uh, little idiom, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and it, so thanks, Philip Kaufman. Philip Kaufman. And Jack Finney, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> We don't see any of the invasion stuff. It's all implied. So you're watching people watch stuff happen, which... It's like it's happening to you, right? You have no extra special knowledge Mm. that Elizabeth doesn't have. Yeah. I do. I just like how much... Like, they've got an entire greenhouse outside their bedroom. (laughs) Like, it's very... It's that great element of horror where it's like this thing you thought was totally innocuous Mm. is everywhere. So if the occasion ever arises that it turns evil, you're fucked. And I was, like, watching it when I became aware of it. There's, like, until we get into the running scenes toward the end, every single shot in this movie has plants in it. Every single shot. (laughs) It's wild. It's just, yeah. Yeah. People. They're everywhere. Liked plants back then. Luckily, we've killed them all by 2022. Oh, cool. (laughs) We took the right lesson from this movie. (laughs) The last shot I'm going to shout out, when we meet Kibner, who's Leonard Nimoy in here. Uh, at he has like a book launch 
and Donald Sutherland's making some phone calls, and there's like a distorted mirror behind them yeah. that's just distorting all the people. It's so great. It's good I, stuff. I like very non-subtexty shots. <laughs> <laughs> very textual shots. I feel like if Donald Sutherland had turned out to be a pod person the whole time, those shots would be the like, mm. see, see, or, it's but, all warped. And I mean, we always go full spoilers on the show. So just to say, like, it could just be then foreshadowing. Sure. Yeah. There you go. There, Here we are. Is uh, Veronica Cartwright the only one who doesn't get a creepy mirror? I, I'll say she yes. She doesn't, but I wasn't yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the strength of not knowing, I'm saying yes. Yes, I'm committing to a the course. The garbage pod guarantee. <laughs> but yeah, so the movie gets broken up to like the first bit is just all of our characters coming together and... And Elizabeth accidentally getting her Jeffrey infected. She brings home the plant that yeah. infects him. God, I wonder if she ever thought about that later and was like, oh, fuck, that was me. Uh, and then the middle is all just like, okay, yeah, who? we know what pod people are. We're learning about pod persons. And the last bit just like full running in heels the whole yep. back half. Yep. I feel like... In the 80s, there's all this, like, mistrust of government agencies. So, like, you got the EPA as the bad guy and <laughs> sure. uh, Ghostbusters and stuff. But we got a health inspector as our main hero yeah. in this. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and so I love that choice, too. I don't, maybe this is the same as the original? Is oh, that a... I don't know, actually. Okay. Yeah, that much I don't know. I love the choice, regardless, because the whole, the movie starts out where, like, he's the only one he's nobody wants him in the room like everyone is looking at him with distrust and is trying to like force him out of their space and like it's constantly him against everybody else like right from the beginning but he is trying to do the thing that will keep people alive for instance not eating rat Rat turds turds. i love that he can just like fully dip tweezers into a soup and pull out a rat turd like that's appalling he says rat turd so much in this he does I love that for him. Actually, I feel like we should have known he's Canadian. He's got, he's, he's, his accent is not subtle. He's got one of those, oh, you think so? Okay, so I was yeah. going to say, he's, he sounds like a, a, a Alan Rickman to me. He's got that, like, slightly yeah, milk maybe. voice that just overrides all accent in my mind. So I. <laughs> no uh, vowels come out right? Yeah. I don't know. It, it is to me. I don't know. <laughs> I trust it's you, fine. and also you verified, so you're correct. <laughs> also, obviously, he's Canadian because he's the father of Kiefer Sutherland. This oh, yeah, a, duh. I know. <laughs> well, we did it. We, wow, we run a movies podcast <laughs> in Canada. Kiefer Sutherland's not in movies, so that's fine. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, but I will say, so just talking about Donald, Donald Sutherland's character, and I'm curious if you picked up on this. Him and Elizabeth are supposed to be coded as, like, former hippies. Oh. In a big way. Like, uh-huh. they're... Uh, this is a thing where I, I figure we're not contemporary, so we just don't really know it. But they're listening to jazz all the time. Okay. Like. So they're supposed to be like counterculture. Yeah, they types. they were counterculture people who have been absorbed by the system. Okay. Is what we're dealing with there. But they still work for like the public good. Yep. Yeah. The subtext to me is they're working that hard because like oh, but I'm a good one. That it's that like it's okay for me to be in the system because I'm doing good work. Mm, sure. Yeah. As just so that they their heads don't explode from <laughs> hypocrisy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I didn't pick up on that. That's funny. It's it's all stuff that like I think that we take just at face value. You know, all the the self help craze stuff is very yeah that definitely like stuff, when yeah. Kibner comes on the scene and is very like 
could this be that, you know, you're trying to find a way out of the relationship, so you claim that he's the one who's changed, when really your heart was the one that changed? Like, that kind of very, that I'm sure, you know, in 1978 would have been like... Oh, he's going all the, like, the nuclear family's gone, man. Like, all that stuff. (laughs) But this is where I'm like, I, because... I did not exist in the 70s. I don't have the the context for it, but it is supposed to be generally feeling like the history at this point is like hippies and counterculture stuff like that is done. None of this oh. is cool anymore. Okay. This is all We're like, late enough in the cycle. But, yeah. Okay. And like the self-help guy is starting to turn to like, oh, he's publishing books instead of helping people. Like that's, he's... He's monetizing his, his help. Yeah, yeah, he's making his way into the system in his own way. <laughs> okay. So people in this movie are just like at various stages of being absorbed by a system. Yeah, we're like... At all times. Jeff Goldblum is a poet who hates everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything and everyone, apparently. Burley brings out the cocaine Goldblum energy in him. Yes. He's just scowling the whole time, but like glare. Yeah. Talking to himself, yelling at strangers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell the 80s are around the corner, for sure. <laughs> this is the most hopping, like, book launch they go to, too. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, like, Elizabeth, you know, what is Donald Sutherland's character's name? His Matthew. character. Matthew. And he's like, come to this thing tonight, my friend, you know, Kibner. And Elizabeth goes, oh, like, the celebrity? Yeah. And he's like, no, he's a psychiatrist. Like, you know, it's clearly a, a be seen at type of deal. Yeah, that's true. And as we learn later, he's like, the mayor is one of his patients and all that. So yeah. yeah. He's so, like, sinisterly connected because he's visible and he's this front, right? Yeah. Of like, no, like, it's fine. Trust me. You know me. You've seen my face everywhere. As if that fucking matters, right? But I feel like it's a thing where he starts out as just a, like, a new agey, I'm sure. just helping people guy, and it turns into this... Once it comes with guy. benefits, mm-hmm. very happy to ditch the, the moral core of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of Kibner, then, I was second-guessing myself a lot in this. When do you think he gets got? <laughs> I think he's got the whole time. Quite honestly, I think... He's so dismissive of the woman who comes up to him freaking out at the party. Like, yeah. any normal person would would be like, well, something isn't right. It might not be exactly what you're saying, but, like, you you need some help of some kind instead of just, like, shh, don't forget about it. It's okay. Like, or is that you just, don't know. Is that just regular 70s misogyny? I mean, who can say? <laughs> But no, I, I think he's been, I think he was got early on. Yeah, I, I know that first time around, I definitely would have been like, when we get to that reveal, like, oh, it happened since the last time mm, we saw him. Right, right, right. But no, this, I don't think so. I agree with you this time, because I, I do feel like, oh, he is consistent in his behavior the whole yes, way through. Yes, exactly. There's no, there's no big behavior change. Yeah. And he's very, like, he tries to kind of separate them all the time. Like, he tries, you know, Matthew, can you give oh, us a minute? true. Can I give the Belichicks a ride home? Yeah. You know, and then he's, like, constantly urging them to get some sleep. You'll feel better in the morning. Like, sleep on it. He's really trying to get their guard down the whole yeah. time. And totally, he's just, he's consistent all the, all the way through. Yeah. Damn you, Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> Great role for him. Yeah. But. I, the very funny thing is, like, he was trying to break out of getting typecast as Spock, and mm-hmm. he goes here to play a logical alien force that doesn't <laughs> see emotions as good. Like, just, I mean, yeah, if you're hmm. going <laughs> to... 
<laughs> but he's very like I I like that read of it. If he's supposed to be kind of a former new agey guy, and he's parlayed that into a, a career like a lucrative career, that's very like hollow, and you know, that's a very different character. I yeah. like it. And like just generally, I think I think Philip Kaufman was a hippie. Mm. I mean, like you see pictures of him, and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a period in the 70s there, though, where it was kind of hard to tell. Everyone just yeah, that's was like that. <laughs> but he he was one of, he was all about coming out of this remake as like, oh, we're going to make it about right now. And these are the topics that we're going to cover instead of, because the 50s one is a Red Scare movie. That's mm, all Sure. Is. Okay. So yes, this is very much changing the the whole background of everything to fit what he thinks is important. So this very funny, which we've stumbled upon in the past few weeks as something we like a lot, where you make something like fiercely contemporary and it turns out that just like draws out all the fun little themes of it. Yeah. Um, Big fan. (laughs) The line that Matthew says to Elizabeth come with me to visit Kibner. He can just help rule out some possibilities. Like yeah. maybe he's gay and, and, or maybe he's caught a social disease or he's become a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> that line seems like something a hippie would write. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that line. That whole, that whole it's conversation is great. They're and very cute together. They yeah. are very cute. That eye thing that she does. Yeah. That <laughs> was, fuck? that was, um, they Coffin was big into like, oh, let's just do the scenes over and over because then you'll start to act mm. like yourself and not be like, yes, right. You're not acting. You're just having a scene. And that was just something between takes. She was like, hey, check what I what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> and then they put it in. And I think That's the idea funny. was going to be that like maybe down the line, there'd be like, prove that you're Elizabeth. Right. And, do yeah. the eyeball thing. And, yeah. But if nothing else, it's a like... Here's a thing that's fun for no reason is such antithesis to where we go. It's great. Well, I mean, these two the whole time are very, like, they enjoy cooking and, like, the, you know, wine and jazz and all of these, like, (laughs) yes, very hippie things. But this just, like, enjoying life's pleasures for the fun of enjoyment instead of this, like, no, there has to be a reason for doing it. And the only, (laughs) you know... The only reason to exist is to propagate and all of these sorts of things. It's just, it's fun. They're a good, they're a good pair. Yeah, they are. They just, they just want to fuck so bad. I think they did fuck. Here is the thing. I think that they're, when, when she goes over to his place and they're like having dinner and he's like, do you have to go home tonight? Do you want some more wine? And that's where the scene ends. I think she stayed over that night because they're a little... They're a little weird the next day, <laughs> and Matthew is calling her, like, repeatedly in a way that I don't necessarily think he would do if, hmm. if they hadn't. I don't know. Okay. That's my personal no-stakes read on the situation. A no-stake take. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> vegetarian take. Uh, I disagree with that because i feel like a lot of the tension that they have is because they just want it so bad but they won't do it (laughs) that's fair that's also a good read and there's space for us all here totally yeah i think either way it it is a like either way goes a long way to uh explaining their bond and like why they Mm. trust each other yeah when they don't trust most other people i wanted to talk a little bit about when we were watching this you were like the lighting in this movie is so weird yeah Okay, so it's is some of it is like astoundingly cool, and it's it's doing these things where like people are backlit or they're moving mm. through shadow in a way where you're like, I should have been able to see your face by now, but it's clearly deliberate that you yeah. can't. Lots of cool stuff like that, but then sometimes there are just 
I'm thinking specifically of like the night escape where sure. where Matthew falls asleep and then wakes up and suddenly there are like four pod people in the backyard. Yeah. Can't see a fucking thing. <laughs> What's up with that? Well, like just generally, they wanted to find a way to reference the first one. Okay. In in how they were shooting it. And okay. that one was black and white. So sure. now we're doing it in color. Uh, what do you do with it? <laughs> Make it look bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing. So one thing that's just when they're since they're doing it in color. Uh, I got a, I got lots of Kaufman quotes for us here. Oh, today. sure, great. Quote: We started talking about the original body snatchers and how to get that film noirish feeling in color, and there weren't really examples of that. We decided let's do some lighting in color, giving way to shadow. So that's a lot of that backlit, a lot of the like overshadowed stuff yeah they're trying to make it feel like black and white even though it's in color and i mean sure i think a lot of that experimentation works but to your point some of it does not some of it just doesn't okay yeah (laughs) and it really is just just the one place that i find it really sticks out is that one night scene where you're like i just don't think the person who knew how to do this i don't think they showed up today the rest of the movie great how much do you think it's we're not going to light it very effectively because it is practical effects and it might look bad. That's fair too. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, I, it's, it's so in contrast with the rest of the movie to me where these things are shot very effectively. It's funny because when you had talked about that a bunch, I, I thought that it was about something else. I didn't realize that you thought those scenes looked bad because I, in my mind, yeah, I can't just... differentiate, differentiate between the look of those scenes and anything else. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know what it is. It's, it's like watching those older movies where they just <laughs> hadn't got the, the hang of like contrast and focus, you know, just <laughs> can't see who's who and what's where. Mm. But it's really just that one scene. That's all. Very good. Well, yeah. that's the reason why. They're experimenting with a way to, and it's, I think it's a reason why it doesn't look like any other movies because they were truly experimenting with stuff. Mm. Um, cause like you think this movie comes out the year after Star Wars just to like ground that as a, a time. Sure. So like, okay. this looks like the exact opposite of like Star Wars as everything is bright, so bright, chromey, yeah. and all this shit. And this is just like, they're purposely trying to make as many overlapping shadows as possible. Sure. And I totally get yeah. that. And most of the movie, it works really well, <laughs> like so well that you almost... Yeah, it, it looks much more modern than it is most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't feel like this is from that 70s time. It yeah. It feels like something cool and nifty they, today. They cottoned on to something for sure. But more about the, the lighting. Uh, they used different lighting tones to give the pod people, like so that you'd be able to just tell at a glance who's a pod person and oh, who's not. Oh, interesting. Um, kind of a like, you can tell something's off, but. It's not, it's not so obvious. Yeah. So here goes another quote. We would say, what degree of pottiness does this character have? And we would put a <laughs> slight purplish tinge around the gills. Oh. We had certain angles that we hoped would sort of indicate a pod creepiness to things. And I was thinking about this as we we're watching the first pod that gets placed next to Jeffrey. Yeah. That water is just like backlit full purple. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's like glowing neon. Yeah. yeah. And Looks that's... like some shit you'd find at Spencer's Gifts. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So really setting up that, like, how your brain's going to recognize. <laughs> Where do pods. they think the gills are on a person? <laughs> Where should I be looking for a purpley tinge? Uh, joke answers the butt. Uh, real <laughs> answers uh, around the ears, I think. Like jawline. Okay. All right. <laughs> Seems like, right, like you'd have gills here if, you yeah. Know. Okay. For the Just listener, curious. Aaron's touching her neck. Yeah. <laughs> here. <laughs> 
understand me. Uh, I do love that. Like a, a color that just doesn't like it depends, but it's not a it's not a color that indicates anything good is going on. Yeah, like it's distinct in, enough in human nature. And it's just, yeah, it's not like it's not going to exist in nature, but like at best, you're like that person's sick. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you look like that? <laughs> yes. So I, I thought of it too late, but I wanted to watch Kipner to see if he was purple or yellow. Oh. <laughs> Everyone's just got that yellow-brown like palette. I guess, yeah, purple is in direct opposition to yellow-brown. Yeah. So that's part of it, too. That weird green everybody was dressing in. Uh, yeah. You talked about the that garden scene. Looks yes. so goddamn cool. Uh, one of the fucking craziest, like, coolest, but also creepy like most unsettling shots in the whole movie it's the sound that does it for me oh yeah it's... yeah it's like matthew the shot itself is very cool because it's framed matthew is you know asleep he's passed out and he's sort of upright in the frame but then his doppelganger is you know when you have a, a face card like a, a playing card oh yeah, yeah and the yes. kings are in opposition to each other kind of inverted yeah. yes and the pod is just screaming doing that horrible howling scream and yeah. just covered in like webs Bleh. it's very gross <laughs> so gross yeah the sound design on this one real clutch ben burt oh yeah yeah nice man that makes should have guessed trash can swear ben burt is here <laughs> What what an odd thing to say. <laughs> say more. I'm talking about R2-D2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Swearing trash cans. So the, to talk about the sound. So that scene is fantastic. That wub-wub that's happening as all that's mm-hmm. going on. This is cute, question mark. It's the sound of his wife's ultrasound. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. She's like, just like fucking cranking it, I guess. But... <laughs> That scream that I couldn't find out what it is, but like it's mostly pig squeal. Sure. Okay. I love these things that are like not quite human, like an ultrasound of, you know, it's like, okay, potential to be a human pig is like, there's a lot of genetic overlap with pig and human. These, these things that are like hit the overtones that you know should be familiar, but just unsettle you in that context. And first, like I said, first glance, first here, far away, you would probably be like, oh, it's just someone screaming or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which we hear a lot of the screams throughout the movie. I yeah. hadn't really remembered that, that it's Yeah, the pretty, big crowds for sure. Like pretty early on, Jeffrey screams when... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, right. But you don't know what it is at that point. That's true. So you have no context. far enough away that you're like, ah, he's pretty upset. He's taking it pretty hard. Wonder <laughs> <laughs> uh, why. But in the same way they had like a lighting scheme for the purple of the, uh, the pods, yeah. they had a sound scheme here. Nice. Which is that the movie starts out very like natural city sounds like birds and people chatting and cars and children playing all that stuff but it just slowly transforms into just industrial sounds yeah okay so like the garbage truck's the big one yeah we're throwing away and i i'm an idiot so i never put this together the the gray shit that's in there yeah that they keep crunching down that's human remains that's (gasps) that's the ash that they turn to afterward i didn't i didn't clock that either yeah because oh boy Oh, no, that's Jeffrey's body. Yeah, because he's got a tiny garbage can. Yeah, he does. (laughs) But we see what happens when when Brooke becomes potted, uh, when Elizabeth becomes potted. She turns to dust in front of us. That's answering the question of what the fuck is all this dust everywhere? Like, oh, it's humanity. (laughs) Neat. The mere solar dust of... Fuck, that's so gross. Okay, all right. 
Mystery solved. I was I was like, I'm going to ask him about this later. What is up with all of the garbage cans or yeah. the uh, garbage trucks? Yeah, so they're just hauling out waste. So I feel like you get the public works first and then you expand out. Is that what this is like you got to buy off the cops if you're going to do crime. Like you have to start at the, you know, enable your little underground logistics <laughs> and work from there. These plants are very good at like at logistical planning. They've I'll clearly done that. it before. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so the, their world that they're escaping, do you think they like sucked that one dry and now they're off to a... I assume so because in later after we're being chased through the streets and uh, Matthew and Elizabeth are trying to stay awake in their office and Kibner corners in there, he says, we fled our dead world right, right, and right. all that. I think that they just, yeah, mm. they hop world to world and leech everything out of it and go on. Quite literally too. So this, this, you know, ashifying, mm -hmm. what, what's your take on that? Like how come they're not connected physically, right? The pod and the person that it's copying? I don't, this is what I... I don't know if and this is like... metaphysical... I don't... If it is a quote-unquote plot hole, I don't really care. No, I mean it's... But I, I think it's something like maybe you get... You get something like injected into you, like the... the mm. You see the little fuzzies on Jeff Goldblum when yeah. he's getting copied. Yeah. Uh, and when they're like falling asleep in the garden and stuff, they've got like stuff in their face yeah. that's kind of like embedded in them. So I think maybe it's like wireless but for wi-fi for plants <laughs> sure for plant copying yeah i mean for all intents and purposes these are just plants so let's make that the like alien characteristic that yeah. they can beam 5g signal from your body <laughs> yeah okay all yeah. right so that, that's what i i was trying to watch out for that more this time and i think that because every time they start falling asleep and there's like no you have to wake up yeah. you can see stuff fluttering yeah, in their face they their become cheeks. yeah it's it is like it's growing out of them almost yeah yeah okay i like it yeah I'm just very kidding. good all the like semi-formed body stuff is so gross and cool <laughs> like when they're going over uh the copy of david uh in the mud bath yeah and they're like oh he's like not defined right that's such a cool detail of like yeah and then we see it happen when when they start getting copied in the garden where it's like yeah. it truly is like a fetus that pops out and then starts absorbing yeah whatever. starts like cooling and and setting right <laughs> this really this reminds me so much of the fly ironically this sort of cronenberg fly or cronenberg fly yeah. yeah um it's just it's copying you but in a way that it doesn't understand why the elements are put together the way they are it mm. just knows the you know and it's got that real good thematic element <laughs> to it of Obviously, those copies are just, they're just copies. They're hollow, mm. you know? I can i can imagine that being the case. And it's just a good yeah. thematic tie-in. It doesn't seem like uh, the one that Matthew smashes put has a lot of bones in there yet. It doesn't no. have a lot of resistance to it. Yeah, so what's... <laughs> how do you feel about that? Uh, on a scale of one to throw up forever, how did you react to the Jerry Garcia dog? <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for you to bring him up. Um, I mean, this is where I like, I affects, as long as the intent of the effect comes across, I'm never really yeah. bothered by things. But I do feel like the effects are of that guy are dated enough that it doesn't do anything for me. It's just kind of funny that it's there. Yeah. Especially uh, the banjo music that happens as he's running up at you okay like is the banjo part of it is it a is it a i honestly you want to hear my horrifying 
Here's my horrifying assum- assumption on this. They heard him playing the banjo. Okay. Saw the dog and the guy, and they're always together. And so they go, oh, that's the noise he makes. And that's <laughs> those are the elements that I need to combine. So I honestly think that when he opens his mouth, banjo music comes out. <laughs> and I can't... I go back and forth on whether that's horrifying or extremely funny. But that's great thing. You can have it be both. You can have it be sure. the most horrifying thing in the world that you can't help but laugh at. Yeah, it's uh, pretty good. Dog with a human face that only speaks banjo. Screaming banjo music. <laughs> It's good. It's so a good moment. you're taking that music as diegetic when he runs up. Yes, I am. Yeah, because I think it would be too goofy if it's just like a little flourish in the yeah. soundtrack. I don't know. I do think it starts quiet and gets louder when he comes closer. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you've already, like, you're not really sure what humans are, and then someone stomped on your pod as you were, mm. you know, jello molding him, yeah, you, I could, think you could mix up some genes there. Yeah. When Matthew just, like, really impotently kicks the pod, it's yeah. like, eh. Yeah, gross. I do think that that is what causes it. It's just yeah. a, like, oh, okay, uh, I only got a few resources, so I'll just mash it into one copy. Fair. <laughs> Take the best out. parts of both. <laughs> so gross. There's so much, there's so little exposition in this movie i love that it really is just watching people react to stuff that they're not equipped to deal with (laughs) i think it's such a good it it puts you in their shoes so immediately i was gonna say their socks so immediately Ooh, very personal so cute um where you're trying to get your bearings and decide, like, is that a normal way for someone to be acting? Like, you're already on the back foot a little bit because Mm -hmm. you don't know these characters very well. If we spent a few more days with, like, Jeffrey and Elizabeth at home, and then he started acting weird, you would have a definitive, like, ah, yes, he's he's a different person. But But this could just be, like, he's he's different, but maybe in a way where he's been like this before. We don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true, because then you don't... You can go on the journey with Elizabeth of like, well, I don't really know what he was like before. And, yeah. Know. And it, like, if you started acting like that, I immediately would be like, there's no way in hell. Like, he has a brain tumor or I have a brain tumor or something. Like, no, you something would, is going on. You would think I was doing a bit. That's what you <laughs> I would for like the first couple of days, yes. <laughs> a couple of days? Okay. Yeah, nice. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. If I can commit to a bit, then I got... <laughs> You got a solid, like, yeah, you got a good story for later. I'm too giggly. I won't be able to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm safe forever. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just, I think it it really puts you in, like, did I, you know, while Elizabeth is going, did I ever really know this person? (laughs) You're like, I definitely don't know this person. So I'm I'm with you, girl. Like, I don't know. I was going to say it communicates so well. We see him for, like, yeah, five minutes beforehand. Totally. But as soon as we see him here, you're like, oh, he's a pod person. Like, it's (laughs) just, you're there. And maybe this is a case of enough people know the original that they were just like, everyone's going to know it. We don't need to talk about it. Sure. Maybe it does that thing of like, we know Elizabeth is in danger, but we don't know the extent of it. And she doesn't know she's in danger. And yeah, I don't know. I really hope her name is Elizabeth. Cause it is. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> I realized I was very confident about it earlier and uh, not really sure why that is. Even if you're wrong, we're at least being very consistent. There you go. You know who we mean. <laughs> and speaking of knowing people, are you ready to hear about the cameos in this? Oh my this god, guy? yes I am. So we got Robert Duvall, he's there. Sure. Um, him and Coffin were just buddies. Oh, okay. There's no real reason otherwise. Uh, quote from Coffin, I just thought, if you're going to make a horror movie, you've got to have a priest in it. <laughs> he's not wrong. You were just telling me yesterday how creepy you find P- yes! priest costume. Yes, <laughs> oh my god. We j- Yeah. 
We just watched a movie where, like, someone just is a priest but is running around doing evil things. And I'm like, yeah, that's what an evil person would wear. <laughs> why, why are we not seeing this? Anyway. Um, another quote. I think producer Bob Solo gave him an Eddie Bauer coder's payment or something like that. <laughs> wow. Okay. He just showed up and, like, just swing around. Can you just, yeah. Can Give you swing? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get stares from kids. Don't worry about it. Uh, the cab driver that is taken to the airport, that's the original's director, Don Siegel. Nice. Okay. Um, There's a lot of focus on him, but it's at a moment where the paranoia has set in. And you're like, is this one? Okay. Got it. And that's him like really driving the cab, as is obvious from the way it's shot. And that is true nervousness that uh, our leads have in the back because Don Siegel had very bad eyes and needed glasses and was not wearing them. No oh boy. So. Uh, and is looking back at them some of the time. <laughs> yeah, okay, <I> cool. <laughs> The insurance. Uh, and my favorite one, Kevin McCarthy. He's the lead in the original movie. Oh. He is the guy running down the street shouting, they're coming, they're coming. You're nice. next. Nice. This is the last thing he says in the first movie. Oh, really? So Kaufman doesn't think this is a remake. Kaufman, to Kaufman, this is a sequel. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe like he made it 20 years at least <laughs> this is it's either a thing of, he he doesn't really care too much either way sure but he liked thinking of it more as a sequel than a remake because he doesn't like the idea of remakes at least at the time sure they also weren't a thing that were done very often so yeah whatever yeah. uh at least then do you uh, mean sequels or remakes remakes oh were they were the type of thing that it was like oh you read a, made a movie from like the 20s because no one had heard of it sure. not a thing that people had just seen right know? right that was pretty popular yeah like okay. less than 20 years old at this point or no just over 20 years old sure. anyway um so yeah he think of it as a sequel of like the other one takes place in california in a small <laughs> town he's running for 20 years and this is the end of his story <laughs> and that's how he dies Ooh. and a fun a that's fun awesome. uh scene here quote when we were shooting that scene with kevin mccarthy there was this naked guy just hovering around the set and he's just lying on the, he's just lying there with his head on the curb just off camera as we were rehearsing. Uh, Kevin came crashing into the windshield as he's supposed to. And the guy jumped up and shouted, hey, wait a second. We all looked. We didn't know if he was dangerous or what was going on. And you said to Kevin, what are you guys doing? Invasion of the body snatchers or something? And they all, they're like, yeah. yeah. Said, Weren't you in the first one? And Kevin said, yeah. The guy said that one was better and just left. Oh! Like, oh, we're in the middle of shooting. We got our first reviews. <laughs> a scathing review from a man wearing no pants <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> i want to know who that guy is so bad yeah i know Just that like, man was i, was I should on, have had something for that before i started talking i was stuck okay. on john quincy adams and i was getting upset <laughs> at myself for some reason <laughs> That's mostly why we do this podcast, is to just fumble and get mad about it. Yeah. It's fine. Hell yeah. That's really funny. You know what they didn't fumble? The end of this movie. The back. <laughs> Hell no, because the end of this movie rules. So, uh, the end of the original movie, spoilers for Invasion of the Body of Snatchers in 1956. Yes. It was originally supposed to end with our main dude, Kevin McCarthy, shouting at the camera, you're next, they're coming they're coming to your city. You're next. Right. Credits. Sure. The studio was like, that's fucked up. No. <laughs> uh, so they made them put... Um, Even for Red Scare. Yeah. Made them put uh, bumpers on the side, which this is a classic 
construction for sci-fi stuff at the time, which is it starts in a psychiatrist's office and he's talking to a psychiatrist who's like, tell me about the events of last week. Right. Uh, so that you then come back to it and it was like, and it was truly an invasion of the body snatchers that I imagined. Thanks, doctor. <laughs> Credits. Drug advertisement. Yeah, thanks to Will Butrin. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so the ending of this one, the scripted ending that studio execs approved is... Veronica Cartwright runs up to Matthew and Matthew, Matthew. And they just look at each other and he like looks like mad at her and she stops and they just like kind of lightly nod to each other. And she like emphatically nods back as a, like a way to understand of like, be cool. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Okay. And then they You're part ways. Cover. Yeah. They okay. part ways and that's the end of the movie. Okay. So a hopeful like, Oh, a resistance will come or something. Okay. Man in the system. Right. Like right. Uh, but, uh, when Kaufman was talking to Don Siegel and Kevin McCarthy on set, they were like, yeah, we got fucked out of our ending. Yes. Avenge us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Kaufman goes to the producer, who I mentioned, Robert Solo, and the writer, W. Director, and they're like, we got to come up with a really fucked up ending. Um, <laughs> it's time. Yeah. So we know about the the approved ending that execs had signed off on. Um, these three, the writer, the producer, and Kaufman, are the only per- persons who know about this about there being an approved ending or everybody knows the approved ending sure that they're gonna try a new one yeah yeah uh so this is the last thing that they shoot too so this is a really like word won't get around there's only two actors on set (laughs) (laughs) okay Um, they're about to start shooting the scene and Kaufman runs up to to uh, her boy donald sutherland is like hey i changed the ending it's this now and he's like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Game. And he didn't tell Veronica Cartwright. Uh, so Oh, shit. Is this... Why is everyone so mean to Veronica Cartwright? <laughs> Leave our mom alone. You don't know what we're referring to. Go back and listen to our episode on Alien. Jesus Christ. Um, she's a good actress, you guys. Yeah. She can make it work. <laughs> The 70s were Fuck. for being mean to Veronica yes. Cartwright, I guess. Like, without fail. Okay, all right. So he's he's <laughs> pulling a new ending. So they do the ending, and that's... it's she She's also uh, a person, and this is known about her, she's a very, like, big person, so she reacts big to stuff. She oh, cries sure. really easy. This is just her personality. Okay. Um, so they're like, oh, you'll get a huge reaction out of her if you just act wild at her. Yeah. Um, and so... What is on screen in the movie is her actual reaction. Ah, oh, fuck. That's awesome. That's so good. Part okay, I'm back is, on side. Yeah, part of it is the, like, her unsureness and fear yeah. of just being like, oh, I, this oh, isn't no. what no. was scripted. Yeah. And then I think that she rolls with it really well to, to just shake her head like, nah, just to, like, make it huge. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> so you'd think that that would turn into a, like, hey, we're going to, like, convince execs that this is what the sure. ending is. Uh, and Coffin's like, we're not shooting the real one. Fuck that. <laughs> oh, good. No, that's how you do it. Give them no other option, right? So when it comes time to screen everything, like to, to do the cuts for the studio, to be like, here's our final product. We did it. Uh, they're all doing it at George Lucas's house for some reason. I like that detail. <laughs> the run just revolves around him. And they get out. And uh, I don't know if this was calculated, but this is like a couple days before the premiere. Okay. And they show it, execs are not happy, and Coffin's like, too bad, we don't have another ending. So you either take this one, yes. or you go and recut the movie that is going to be in theaters in like right. three days. Yeah. <laughs> we shipped them already. Yeah. It's awesome. 
rules. Boss I love move. This is what you got to do. And, uh, I mean, Lucas got him to write Raiders after that. So, I mean, he's fine. He's, he's doing, doing great. just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another entry in the pantheon of execs don't fucking know what people are going to like. Yeah. And I, so great. I definitely thought this was a case of like, oh, it was a tacked on happy ending for the 56 one. And this one, they like went back to the original. No, the original is a like dumb, upbeat, hopeful, happy ending. Like the original book. Um, oh, is ends with the aliens leaving because they weren't expecting resistance of any kind. Okay, and they're like, "This is too hard." I don't and like it. They go back to space, and humans fine. <laughs> okay, now I'm now I'm identifying with the aliens a little bit more. <laughs> I respect that. It makes sense. I, I get, I get, get it. Yeah, <laughs> it me, Nick. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> Do you think audiences watch those movies with those bumpers and were just like, boo? I, don't, I honestly don't know. I don't yeah. know if that's like... It must have just yeah. felt so... Like, after all of the tension and the... You know, I don't know how effective the 50s, the original is, but after that to just be like, and it literally was all a dream. Well, I think that there's... History has answered your question in a way where, like, I can't think of any big... Like, the classic, like, yes, we all love this movie thing that has a thing like that in it. Like, right. this would be the closest one. But then the remake happens and it's the only one people talk about. This is the thing is, like, this ending is so, so huge. Like, such a pop culture touchstone. Yeah. Uh, you know, I knew what that face was that he does but long before I ever saw this movie. Yeah. And it just, it's such an obvious, like, you're going to make that whole movie about having your world ripped away from you and being helpless and powerless and then go with this bullshit anodyne ending? Like, come <laughs> on, stick the landing! I do like, if they did go with the happy ending, it's at least, it's not happy, it's hopeful. Which, like, sure. I get this one I a little bit more. At least, yeah. <laughs> and it does kind of work with the counterculture stuff of, like, it's okay, I'm a man on the inside. Like, I'm special. Like, That's true, actually. That so, would have been an interesting... All right, all right, yeah. you're convincing me. I, I, I like I'm this still going to nurture a hate in my heart for movie executives, though. <laughs> That's fine. I like to encourage that. <laughs> Need a healthy flame of hatred at all times. Speaking nice. of flames. Oh, uh-oh. I'm on my Segway game today. Holy shit. <laughs> Speaking so excited of to see this. flames, it's been a while, but it's time for an injury and destruction wrap up. Oh, nice. All right. <laughs> Injure us psychically, Nick. Uh, there's only a few here. Okay kind of alluded to the fact that these the street shoots really weren't closed sets. I, I was going to ask and then kind of forgot. Like, you're just allowed to sleep naked on the film set. That's pretty great. I think they just right. didn't want to interrupt life. Fair? Okay. <laughs> and I feel I, like it gives that element of, like, no one better see us doing this. We have to fly under the radar, you know? And I mean, you don't got to pay for as many extras. <laughs> That's true. I mentioned this before, just thinking about it. I kept thinking to myself while we were watching this movie that there's so many Dutch angles in it, and that's paying homage to the original. Lots of Dutch angles in the original. Oh, sure. On purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's San Francisco, so half the time I'm like, I can't tell if this is San Francisco <laughs> or a Dutch angle. Or am I just standing on the street? Yeah. Then? yeah. <laughs> anyway. Could be both. Uh, streets aren't okay. closed. So one day while filming uh, the running scenes... The, one of those night scenes, mm -hmm. a Volkswagen Beetle just hit Donald Sutherland. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> and he just got up and they're like, okay, I guess we'll keep shooting. Can you not? <laughs> no that's ham walking here. No ham. Right. I'm a pod person here. No. I'm podding here. Uh, but the one that's famous and makes me wince every time 
Uh, I don't know if you heard me grimace oh. while we watched this. The warehouse explosion at the end. Sure. While Donald Sutherland is running away, he runs past two openings. And as he runs past each one, it ex- there's an explosion after right. each one. The second one, a guy is caught <gasps> oh, in that explosion. Oh, no. I noticed that. And I was like, haha, wow. They really, that guy beefed it. That guy just missed his cue. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And, what like, happened to him? He was okay. It was, okay. my understanding is it was like burns, but treatable. Oh, Jesus. Just rough stuff. But it was, oh, it's harrowing every time watching it. I know what's coming up. Just, ah. Oh, I, I laughed. You let me laugh at him. And how Honestly, do you feel now? Like a monster. <laughs> that's gotta be, that's just, I, I feel like the ratio of, like, possibility of death to, like, size of fuck-up is so huge with pyrotechnics. You just, like, what can you do? Like, yeah. you just got hit by a fireball. Lie down and take it. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, and, like, these are all very, yeah, like, not closed streets, the mm-hmm. open pyrotechnics. They're, like, it's, and, like, Donald Sutherland is clearly doing all of his own stunts. Like, it's pretty damn obvious. Yeah. Um, There's no safety cables or nets or anything while he's running around on top at oh. his request. Oh, sure. He was like, I want to do it. And they're like, we were going to get a stunt guy. Yeah. You know there's no nets or anything because we you're looking down and seeing it. Yeah. And it's to it really is. what you're saying before where the camera's moving around within shots to show everything. Yeah. It's to be like, look how real this is. Uh. Like, you're trying to up the realism of it. Just like, yep, could have gone so bad. <laughs> I always appreciate those kinds of things where it's all, all they need to do. You can have the, like, big Tom Cruise death-defying stunts and stuff, but all you really need to do is just, for me anyway, show someone on a height... With no safety net or something to hang on to in case things start going wrong. Mm. And that'll activate that part of my brain where I'm like, if it were me, I would be afraid of dying in this Mm. moment. Yep. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. So he's standing up there while all those explosions are happening. Donald Sutherland absolutely (laughs) killing it. Yeah. Um, and uh, the final bit I have here for our discussion is just a, a nice quote that I like from Mr. Coffee. Oh, sure. It's a long one, so apologies. Stick with me. Stick with me. Settling in. Quote, often people on the set or at the studio are so worried about just getting content, and content is not necessarily going to make the scene full of humanity or feel compassion and amusement and humor. I'd love to see Christopher Guest do a horror movie. Ah! The Coen brothers often find a way where there's a subsurface of humor in the film, and yet it can be absolutely terrifying. Hitchcock had that. There was something beneath the surface, whether it's actual humor or the elevated sense of a situation with human beings in it, that tweaks a part of your mind that stimulates you rather than teaches you. Those are the moments that make a film worthy of a second viewing and hopefully let a film be viewed decades later. Interesting. To your point of, it's so scary, but I'm laughing at it. Like, he he knows this movie (laughs) is funny. He knows that that dog man is funny. He better. (laughs) But he, yeah, I just love that outlook on this is how, like, grounding it in reality and in humanity rather than the yeah. construct of, like, now I'm teaching you what this plot beat means so that when it comes back, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yeah. The definition of content. Yeah. It's just, like, things happening divorced from human experience. Yeah, that you, like, catalog as they go. And, yeah. yeah. Man, that's great. I'm going to have to revisit that. That's a great quote. Yeah. I just like that outlook. I really like that idea, too. Like, the common pairing is, oh, you know, tragedy is just comedy zoomed in or whatever. Yeah. 
<laughs> the reverse. Company right? with the stopwatch and you yeah. count the time and once the time's passed, it's good. Something, yes. <laughs> but I like the idea that the flip side is horror, not not tragedy. Like comedy mm. and horror are very closely related where you know, it's roller coasters or mm. this dog, you know, <laughs> wearing a man's face. Banjo dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it is it just yeah, that's great. Stimulates rather than teaches you. Yeah. I like that a lot. I thought, yeah, that's I haven't seen it put that way before. I like yeah. that a lot. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, Phil. I think that he's saying you're welcome wherever he is. I actually don't know he did? where he uh, is. Yeah. <laughs> don't say it like that. <laughs> I was trying to find a more tactful way of saying if he was alive or not. Um, Somehow worse the way you <laughs> yeah, said I know. it. Yeah. It really backfired on me. <laughs> Oops. Whoopsies. Nice. Yeah, so that's all I got for us on Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, so I would love to hear your final thoughts on this. Well, I really do enjoy the uh, the very last thing you said about, mm. yeah, it's the the comedy and the horror. Now I want to see a Christopher Guest horror movie, too. Wait, it right, would be that'd be great. unreal, <laughs> yes. But, like, yeah, I... Movies about doppelgangers are so fascinating to me. I love watching yeah, them, and do. I love all the different takes. I fucking love it. <laughs> um, I think it's such an effective, like taking his approach to that of like it's it. There's got to be something below the surface. There's got to be. It's got to be rooted in the human experience of it all. Yeah. And that's one of the most fucked up things that can happen to you as a person with a, an identity or a sense of self, right? Yes. Yeah. No, there's, there's another one of me now. But like, no, like I can't, I, I can never fully know that person, but, but for all intents and purposes, they're me. <laughs> so am I not them? Who's the real me? Like all of these, you know, all of these sorts of typical questions you get. But it, yeah, just, just a viscerally affecting premise of mm. having a doppelganger and yeah i think i think that's fascinating and this is such a good like this can work on so many levels it's Absolutely. got the yes at the time this would have been red scare this would have been you know a few years later it turns into they live or or yeah. even like like oh here's okay so if you're if you're if you're seeing the movie from the point of view of the doppelganger or <laughs> the like simulacrum or the the not quite right person mm -hmm. it is it, those are those tend to be comedies right i i'm thinking of like i'm your man um do you remember that movie oh yeah from, with from the a robot couple years man. ago yeah. yeah we're like oh we build robots to become people's life partners and like not just for sex for companionship and and it's kind of from the point of view of the robot and so it's kind of this comedy of like he can't quite get it right you yeah know? and he's having a bit of like well why don't why isn't, Why isn't it, it working? working? Yeah. <laughs> it should work. Yeah. Whereas if you if you flip that just a little bit, it's a really horrifying movie of like this person has moved into my space and is doing all of like is checking all of the boxes that a normal yeah. life partner would check, but it's just I can't tell what it is and that's upsetting me that I get that something's wrong and I don't know what. How much more upsetting is the idea though of if this doppelganging is happening and you don't notice it happening to another person what that says about who that person was that's that's exactly, so upsetting right? yeah <laughs> oh. yeah like the the idea oops i punched the table about it the idea that 
most of the world could be affected before anyone really started to take notice is wild. Yeah. All of the things that you just sort of gloss over because you can never fully know another person's brain, <laughs> you know, and just how that could be so sinister. And well, uh, like yeah. the thing is, is the flip side of it, right? Where the capital T Nicholas, <laughs> the thing is, is the next, you know, it's been working its way through you and it's, it's purpose is to hide. I think that's the, mm. The, how easy it would be to hide is really upsetting. Yeah, and this is the hiding in plain sight stuff of yeah. because Kibner's saying it always takes people to get over it in a day or two because they become potted. Yeah. But it's so easy to excuse away like, oh, they're probably having a bad day or they're stressed about work or they're yeah. tired. Like, you yeah. Can... You make those excuses every day of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Wild shit. Mm -hmm. So I really, I just love this. is such a good uh, example of a doppelganger movie for me. Yeah. Top top five for sure. Even though you really never learn anything about the doppelgangers, and that's no. fine. The ex the horrifying experience is in someone looking at their own doppelganger and going, yeah, "Why and is it here? Who is that?" <laughs> and fighting it. What does it mean about me? Oh man! And all the scene kind of glossed over, but um, Jeff Goldblum meeting his semi-formed guy yeah. who's like got the same nosebleed as him and all that but like I think it works better not knowing about what the doppelgangers like sources and all that so that we can focus on this thing as you say the, the yeah. horrifying part of it rather than get lost in pod lore making it the very sci-fi yeah. thing yeah yeah this is a horror movie that's a science fiction movie also not a science fiction movie that's a horror movie also I yeah. think that's totally right yeah yeah, nice. yeah. so Big fan. That's my <laughs> final <conclusion>. thought. <laughs> what about you? Well, for me, uh, obviously all the paranoia stuff is great. I love a paranoia thriller. Those are... You do. Yeah. yeah. I They're quickly becoming more part of my diet. Uh, I think it really speaks to the incredibly anxious person inside of me somehow. I can't quite <laughs> yeah. put my finger on it. You really missed out not being alive in the 70s. I feel like that would have been prime. Like, you're in your element, just sweating, worried constantly. Oh, uh, man, sweating. None of those fabrics breathe. Oh. I'm wearing bell bottoms. I'm sweaty and nervous all the time. Um, but the thing that I love the most about this movie is that it tricks you into the into being convinced of, of dramatic stakes and that aren't really there mm, because sure. by the time the opening credits have finished rolling invasion's done you're all dead like it's it's you've been invaded yeah, yeah it's hope it's hopeless cinema at its genre peak to me um like the pods are there they have already infected people and the like it initially appears like Jeffrey is our first one to go, but, like, he's getting... He meets up with dozens of people yeah. the next day. So, like, he's just one of, you know, let's say a hundred people. So we're seeing boots on the floor, boots on the ground. Ground. I always mix up that idiom. <laughs> Socks on the ground. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, that are moving through society. But, it, it like, it really is... It's just a logistics question. It's not like you're already done. Yeah, it's how fast. It's yeah. not whether. It's yeah. yeah, you're you're watching the last ten minutes of of the occurrence, right? It's which is it's over. That's a classic. Like I I think of like zombie movies with it, where it's mm. a like oh it's the end of the world. We all know that the world is dead. How are these people gonna fare? Like that type yeah, of thing. Yeah. But th there's a bit of a like, ooh, let's see how long they hold out and they'll go away. But I feel like this movie somehow tricks you into they're gonna make it somehow. And like, even if we lose some of them, then in the end, we'll 
like Matthew says over so many times, he says, um, we'll, we'll fight and we'll win. He says that right. five times, I think, in the movie, which is... <laughs> He's very optimistic. Yeah, but it proves that you got to do more than just have a winning attitude. Like, there's the... That gets yeah. so easily rewarded in all media is like, they had hope and that made them win. Yep. And just to see it... To see it played out in such a way where you're fighting, like, you're like, yeah, they're going to do it. And how are they going to do it? And you're waiting for the moment where the shoe drops to be like, and that's the thing that's going to do it. Yeah. Like when Elizabeth and Matthew are in the offices and they're like running through just like items around. If this was a lesser monster movie, you'd be like, oh, they found sodium and sodium kills the plants. Yep. It <laughs> sure would. <laughs> but yeah. that you're waiting for that to happen and it never does. And it just feels like it keeps getting strung along and strung along. And then that ending just clown hammers you and <laughs> knocks you out. That's so true though. The, the normal, you know, the regular beat would be, wait, say that again. You said the monsters didn't like, you know. Jazz? Yeah. And- <laughs> Exactly, like something that's been in the movie the whole time. <laughs> Easy out. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, not rewarding a hopeful attitude. Yeah. This is, yeah. Yeah. Also and something you like. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so that's, that's, it is, for how I'm talking about it, it's not as depressing a movie as it makes it sound, I don't feel like. <laughs> but it, it, I don't know, it fits this like really great Venn diagram of being this cool, hopeless cinema that isn't pessimistic. No, it is pessimistic. It isn't depressing. Yeah. For yeah, I mean, you, you for you, yes. <laughs> you could definitely be like, man, they, like, fought like hell, and, you know, they they made a team doing it, and that's yeah. all you can ask if you're already fucked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. And I would just get so sleepy. Oh, my God. If the, if the fate of the world hinges on me not having a little nap... <laughs> uh, sorry, everyone in the world. Yeah, and I mean... No, I'm done at 2 p.m. <laughs> I'm, I'm contrarian. I, I'm a big insomniac, but I feel like the second someone's going to be like, you can't sleep, I'm like, well, fuck you. No, <laughs> I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> I'll show you. Pot person. <laughs> uh, well, the time has come to double bill our little paranoid friend with another movie of some kind, be it paranoid or no. <laughs> and I would love you to take us away with your double bill. All right, here I go. So I'm going to go with the doppelganger theme, as Mm. I'm sure you guessed. Doppelganger. Doppelganger. And this one is sort of this post-doppelganger science fiction, where it's not just that, oh no, there's a double of me or a clone of me or whatever. It's about how that affects the doppelganger as well, because (laughs) you're essentially the same person. So anything that's happening to you is probably happening to them, too. You know, in that in that sort of vein of like, what if what if we got the origin story of the doppelganger? Like, not exactly. (laughs) So I'm going to pair this with a a Canadian person's film. I'm going to pair this with Denis Villeneuve's Enemy from 2013. Cool. Which is also just like a harrowingly quiet, unsettling Uh, movie. Yes. In the vein of Denis Villeneuve. (laughs) We love. Yes, we do. So if you haven't seen it, Enemy is a movie about a man who discovers he has a doppelganger. Uh, But the doppelganger thinks that this guy is his doppelganger. They're not sure what's going on. And the more they learn about each other, like the bigger an effect it has. It sort of has this feedback loop of an effect on both their lives. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So the it's kind of like they, they are distinct people. 
it's it's they're both played by uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and each of them has a different partner. And very different personalities, which I like. Yes, I feel like yeah. that doesn't it's come got up this too kind often. of Jekyll and Hyde thing to it. Yeah, like one of them's a real. He, I think of him as like a, a gym bro, and the other one's yeah. like a nervous like guy a who reads a lot. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I can't remember anything about the movie other than that's what I have in my mind. Of <laughs> one the of them, yeah, one of them's like an actor, like very outgoing. Yes, it's right. kind of implied like he his wife is pregnant, and it's kind of implied that he's like cheated on her in the past, or that they've had like a rocky past, whatever it is, um, and the quiet you know the the other guy whom we see discovering the doppelganger because the doppelganger is an actor um <laughs> is a professor and is kind of have this has this like boring-ish life and yeah. like his girlfriend like they they seem fine but there's no real like spark there or whatever um and so it's it there's this obvious opportunity for both of them kind of to escape their own lives and move into the other person's life yeah and one of them is more aggressive about it and one of them is more like subdued about it but then kind of like sneaky (laughs) and just the the idea that if you're you know the doppelganger is so much you that there's almost no point in trying to you can't switch lives because you're living the same life just with different flavors to it. You know? Yeah, it's it's all the same. Different coat of paint. Yeah, the same core stuff with different variables. That's about yeah, different it variables about. exactly. Nice. And so the you, I the one thing I really love about Enemy and I will never understand and I don't care to. It doesn't matter. Is the giant spider motif and <laughs> just yeah. like the uh, you know. I think just spiders are upsetting. Spiders maybe. are weird. I I. The, <laughs> You're so right. The thing I like about it in this context is they're sort of like they're so anthropomorphized. Mm. There are there's so many like characters in like myths and things that are spiders and it's so much a part of the human psyche. Um so it's got this kind of element of like it's almost a person, this recurring spider. It's a person, but is it meant to represent a person or is it like trying to fake its way into becoming a person does it represent the doppelganger or is it a, like a totally separate thing is mm. it a hallucination you know is it always the same spider or is that the spider's doppelganger it's uh, right <laughs> is the spider having a mental breakdown um yeah so it's got that yes. element of like almost human human characteristics but like off-putting in a way that like in your bones you know is not right you mm. know uh, and again, one of the best shock endings I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, that I think about a lot. Like I, other, I don't remember a lot of the spider stuff to mm. be honest. But I, yeah, well, not won't give away the ending of Enemy. That's yeah. it's a good one. I like yeah, art house doppelganger stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, post doppelganger art house. And it's uh, a, yeah. an insane subgenre. <laughs> <laughs> post doppelganger bleak Toronto hillscape. Oh, is it in Toronto? That's right. It's yeah. very aggressively set in Toronto. And I think that's part of the funny thing is because Toronto, this little meta layer of Toronto doubles for so many other cities in it's, movies. Yeah. It can be literally any city you want. I remember a, an American describing it as it's like New York if it was dirty. <laughs> oh, that's harsh, but true. <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> Google any picture of a Toronto garbage bin. You won't be able to see it because there's too much garbage. Yeah, it's brutal. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I like that. Just this, like, indistinguishable grayscape of... you can't you can't escape because everything is the same everywhere. Nice. And as we're recording this today, it's Denis Villeneuve's birthday. (gasps) Shut up. Okay, we'll do Villeneuve. 
happy birthday to you. Bunfet, you're the best. <laughs> I also think you're the best. I didn't double bill a movie of yours, but I still think you're the best. I love him more. <laughs> no. Adopt me. <laughs> French papa. <laughs> <laughs> Please move on to your okay, movie. Okay, <laughs> I will. Thank you. I was just waiting waiting for you to prompt me. Was all. Um, oh so God. I'm... Uh, I like, we're, we're both moving with uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers being the genre. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. if we had to be on the spectrum that we always like, this is the trashier side of art house enemy. Mine is going art by the way of old. Okay. Um, not that much older. But uh, it is a... Little thriller movie from 1960, and I'm, I'll talk about it in general terms, and it'll relate back to the movie. Okay. But I'm talking about Village of the Damned, the original Village of the Damned from oh, 1960. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Directed okay. by Wolf Rilla. Uh, probably Wolf, but... Uh, Great name. I like to refer to it, the Thriller from Wolf Rilla. Ugh. Do you like to? Yeah, I'm first smiling time a lot. Okay. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Uh, it stars George Sanders, one of our favorite bitchy actors. He's, He's so great. I love George Such Sanders. Such a queen. Always so love funny. Love him. Um, so the general setup of Village of the Damned is, of course, uh, it opens it, the Midwich Cuckoos is the book that it's based on, and it, Midwich Midwich Midwich. I'm not British. I don't know. Yeah, British listeners, <laughs> please weigh in. That cuckoo one. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. It. Um, uh, uh, small town in British hills that the uh, country. suddenly all of the women become pregnant on the same day, have the same delivery date. They all give birth, and it's they're little alien kids. Yeah, that's terrifying. Blind children. Yes. Uh, so the reason that I like these together, I was thinking about it a lot. They're both sci-fi horror movies that are about the end of a certain kind of lifestyle mm, like yes invasion of the body snatchers is all the end of this counterculture stuff that's winding down and you know being replaced by a lot of liberalism um and village of the damned was very much just to be like this is the end of like small town life and really the nuclear family and like to show the support structures that are lacking for those that don't fit into regular lifestyle oh, stuff oh yeah that's right i always forget that about village of the damned it's got this very like well if you you know were a social pariah of any like any severity at all just, and yeah there's a lot of playing up the single women that become pregnant mm-hmm. before they know what's going on and all this gossip and it, so it becomes there's no one has a clear view of anything that's happening yeah um they and, try and impose this structure this like morality structure on it immediately and yeah. it's just so not what's happening no yeah all focusing on all the wrong things uh yeah. and it's it's to their detriment that this all happens a lot of challenging or at least discussing the status quo kind of going on. Sure, yeah. But they also are like, in each of them, the invasion has happened and you lose. Yeah. By the time you, like, by the time you understand what's happening, it's already too late. Yeah. That's very much, and that's obviously the metaphor of what they're doing for their particular social issues they're talking about. Um, But I also love, they're both so damn cynical about it. About their <laughs> versions of it. Yeah, um, I still remember the the ending of Village of the Damned. Yeah. I'm going to spoil it here. It's a it's oh, all right. it's a title like it's a book that's been around forever. I so mean, I feel you like get it, on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a like it's a 75 minute thriller, which is it's yeah. mostly just to like pose um, philosophical questions. Yes. really. Yeah, um, which I like a lot. So fast forward 30 seconds if you don't want to hear about the ending, but. Invasion of the Body Snatchers ends with this, like, we're all doomed. It's all done. Village of the Damned ends with 
them setting off bombs that blow up the entire city and kill everybody. Like, because this is the only way to solve it is, yeah. is what's... Nuke it from orbit. Yeah. But the... There's all the stuff that goes in beforehand about how, like, the, the children are psychic, so they're, like, blocking people from entering the town or leaving the town. And they know if you're trying to fuck them up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... it's the They both have this idea of, like, change is coming. You are powerless against it for better or for worse. It's gonna happen to you. Yeah. No matter what you... How far above it you think you are. There's so many conversations in Village of the Damned where they're talking about, like, well, they're just kids. We'll shepherd them and we'll teach them and, like... No, you idiot. You cannot tell what's happening. <laughs> They're not kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a great one. Perfect pairing of tone. Yeah. That's I just, what like, was... as you said it, I'm like, oh, obviously. <laughs> yes. Good shit. It's one of those very classic, like, 50s black and white movies that they yeah. were apparently modeling their their whole cinematography on. Yeah, it, exactly as well. Nice. Except small town, which is uh, original Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a small town in California, so... Which is so funny to me because you can isolate that so easily. This one is in San Francisco. You're doomed. It's a huge <laughs> port. And like, yeah, that's... Well, it took him 20 years to get there. For... <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah. It took they this picked one... a very bad spot to land in the original. It took this one dude 20 years to run there. That's, yeah. <laughs> and I think that'll about do us for this episode here so uh please rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice we would love to have more people find the show pick out your favorite uh invasion of the body snatcher adaptation yeah make, let us know if there's one we should be yeah, watching yeah make a case for one yeah if we sh- if we're missing out yeah you can find us on the socials at gartbitch pod that's on twitter and instagram and uh please come back and join us next time for another pile of gartbitch thanks